and welcome back to Ready Set Review, your favorite podcast for movies, comics, and culture. I'm your host, Anthony. And I'm Matt. And we are excited. We have an amazing episode here for you today. Today is going to be all about love and thunder. Oh, man. What an incredible movie. Uh, yeah, we got to see this in theaters uh, last night or Friday night. Friday night. Um, it's now Sunday. Um, and yeah. yeah, it was uh, it's the kind of movie you want to see in theaters. That's the first thing I'll say. Um, and I know a lot of people are, uh, for some reason, seem to be sour on this movie, like fans, um, which we'll talk about. I don't know what the fuck their problem is. Um, but it's definitely worth seeing in theaters because uh, it is very visually stunning, but it also tells a very good story. Um, and has obviously some amazing action and comedy. Um, so let's, let's start with that because yeah, this movie is like a comedy, basically. It is definitely a comedy. I, I uh, had mentioned this to you. Uh, I'm of the opinion that for as good as it was, it did have a little bit of a hard time kind of figuring out what kind of movie it wanted to be because there were some incredibly serious scenes. In fact, that was one of my one of my favorite scenes in the movie, uh, which we'll get to, is a scene with Gore the God Butcher. I think that uh, Christian Bale was the perfect choice. Um, although I have to say, it kind of seemed from an acting perspective sometimes. Um, now, I think that all of the other actors are very, very talented who are in this, but Christian Bale is just on another level in terms of his acting ability. And it was it was it was very much like watching uh, a professional play with a lot of like amateurs. Like if you've ever seen if any baseball fans out there, if you've ever seen, you know, a major league star go down to triple A and they just end up crushing it down in triple A. It's not to say that the triple A players are bad. They're good ball players. But they're not of the caliber of a, a major league star. Yeah, that you know, I, I had that same, you know, I, I, I disagree. I don't think the movie knew what it, I think the movie knew what it wanted to be, but I'm with you on the acting piece. And I almost wonder if that was, like, intentional because, you know, Christian Bale was, for the most part, everybody in the movie was was comic, was, was comical. Um, Christian Bale was the only character who was serious throughout. Other characters had their serious moments, um, particularly Natalie Portman and a few moments with Thor, uh, Chris Hemsworth, but Christian Bale was the only character who was serious throughout. And I wonder, like, I, I'm sitting there watching it, and I was wondering if it was intentional or not, because, um, I, I mean, you know, Natalie Portman, right, you don't typically think of her in a comedic capacity. She doesn't really do she doesn't really do rom coms. Like she's done them, but that's not her MO, right? Um Right. And you know, Chris Hemsworth, he's kind of all over the map. He he's kind of stuck more in the the action world now more so than ever. Um yeah. you know, but Christian Bale has been all over the map in terms of his acting. I absolutely oh, yeah. agree. He's he's probably the best just overall well rounded actor in the bunch. But yeah, it was hard for me to like kind of grasp like if that what you said, if that was intentional or not, but it, it ended up working for me because I, for sure, yeah, and and especially with Thor's character, it just fit with his uh, overall development when you consider the events of Ragnarok and Endgame. Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more. I I think that especially with Ragnarok, Ragnarok took a much lighter tone than had let's say Dark World, right? Which Dark World was, if you look at the entirety of the MCU, Dark World is probably one of the ones at the bottom. Oh, easily. Yeah, like if I I would say it is the one. Actually, no, Eternals for me. Yeah, Eternals is the the worst, but Dark World is next. Yeah, (laughs) it, it would be right there next to it. Yeah, one hundred percent. 
And so, but Ragnarok, on the other hand, was an amazing movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought even though the villain really never felt threatening, like you really never felt like it was like... I don't know. Like well, I, I felt lo- very threatened by I, Hela. She I, fucking murked everybody. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I. She killed like all of Asgard. I, I loved it, and like very similar to the way that Ragnarok was, where it, it always seems that Thor is one of the characters that has the most consequences with his movies, right? Yeah. Where there's there's things that will carry over and affect who his character is. Like in this movie. Uh, obviously, uh, we're we're seeing the return of Jane Foster, um, and then with someone like Sif, who we haven't seen in a while, we got a chance to see Sif, and she lo- ends up losing an arm. Yeah, and that was that so was it a has cool a lot return. of lasting effects that are are happening from this. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of like I feel like in the last few movies, the people that have been writing Thor, particularly Taika, have been taking pages out of the Spider-Man playbook mm. because Spider-Man is known for having just unimaginable tragedies happen to him constantly, but always having a sense of humor about his existence. And that's very much where I feel like they've gone with with Thor. He's had a lot of fucking shit happen to him. Yeah. And he just keeps on going. And they kind of make a joke out of it in the beginning. Like, yeah. I really love the Korg. Like, I, A, I love the the take on the Korg character. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of my favorite characters in all of the MCU since they've introduced him. I loved him in the comic books, but he was a very serious character oh, yeah. in the comic books. Here in the MCU, having him as the comic relief has been just such a wonderful breath of fresh air. And he's just, he's right there in this movie doing the same thing. Yeah. You was, know, and he's, he's just, so great. he's so great. I just, I absolutely absolutely love Korg um, and everything. And, and it ends up being almost kind of like a buddy cop situation with him and Thor. And yeah. I just, I love it so much. Yeah, it really is. And it's like the, again, the, the comedic elements in this movie are what really drive it. You know, the story overall is the story is not anything we haven't seen before. Um, you know, right. it's uh, uh, Gore, the God butcher is abandoned by the God that sort of watches over his world and his realm. Um, his whole planet is dead. He has to watch his da- daughter die in his arms in what appears to be some sort of desert on whatever planet Gore is from. Um, and then he takes this. Uh, he's chosen to have this sword. The what do they the necro sword or yeah, something? The yeah, the necro sword. Um, and that gives yeah. him his powers to kill. Or maybe gods, the necro blade or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. yeah. And, th- and then he goes off on um, you know a rampage of of revenge, but it's misguided revenge, and that comes to you know again as you would expect. He he's he's a bad guy, right? But he gets a little bit of redemption at the end by granting his one wish with Eternity to bring his daughter back rather than to bring on the death of all the gods because Eternity has the power to do that. Yeah, and what a just a, an incredible moment yeah, for long-time yeah. comic book fans and the way that they made Eternity look. He looks exactly yeah, like... Accurate. Dude, so comic accurate. It was so cool to actually see Eternity and like have him be a character in this movie. I think that's one of the things that they've done so well in Thor um, is that they're taking a lot of the celestials and making them just really relevant, right? And and it's really cool. Like you even see a celestial head in well, in this movie. And Eternity technically is not a celestial. He's just a cosmic being. I mean, the the concept of Eternity, if I remember from the comics, is kind of like when you um, sort of like they, they, I mean, they sort of depicted it really well, I think, in the movie, kind of like you reach the edge of the universe or whatever it is, and then you're, you're outside of 
time and space and right. everything inside of eternity lives there. So that's why, like, you know, you saw him in that kind of blank world. But yeah, seeing the celestial head drop down, like, that was really cool, which makes me think, one of the things I liked about this movie, too, is that it was, um, it was very self-contained in yes. a way. Yeah, You know, where so. um, it, it didn't, it was very much a Thor story. Uh, you know, the eternity and the celestial head and the introduction of Zeus and the other gods were certainly world-building elements, but the core yeah. of this story was very much um, like it didn't feel like a filler, you know, it wasn't like the dark world, which is very much like a filler movie. Um, it was very much a self-contained movie that told like a really heartwarming and touching story at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and it was really cool. I loved seeing all of the different gods that were there, right? So you see Zeus, you see like everybody, right? That is like every religion, every walk of life. You see that everyone has this like being that is like their quote unquote quote God and they get a lot of additional power by people believing in them and that right? was my favorite one of my favorite elements of the movie is how they just threw you into that because up until that point the only gods they'd ever mentioned were the Asgardians yeah you know and you kind of you, like you know from reading comics that that's not the case there's obviously lots of different sets of gods right um, but in the MCU they've really only ever talked about Asgardians so you never were really sure if they were going to introduce anybody else and I loved how in this movie they just threw you right into it Yes. It was just like, oh, yeah. by the way, Zeus and the other gods. Yeah. You know, and then there was like the, the bow god of dumplings. Like they just went oh. so fucking like all yeah. over the place with it. And it was great because it's like it's one of those things where th that the, the, the way they did that to me is a testament to how well Marvel tells stories because there wasn't a need for them to be like, oh, you know, by the way, and give you all this explanatory exposition. You know, it was just like. Oh yeah, well of, of course there's fucking other sets of gods. Yeah. Like duh, obviously. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I I would love to see. I was actually hoping for maybe like a Santa Claus cameo, Dude, right? I, I same, know, yeah. Same kind of thing, right? <laughs> Where like, you know, Saint Nick is there. Yeah. And, yeah, I thought that would have been really cool. The one but... thing I will say that they missed in that scene when they were in Zeus's floating palace or whatever it was, where you okay. saw all the other gods, the one thing that would have been really awesome, again, just a, a little Easter egg would have been so satisfying. And for all I know, it could be in there if you if you're one of those people that goes back and like you know pauses the movies and looks for looks for things in the stills but i would have liked to have seen some of the egyptian gods that we saw in moon knight you know that would have been cool because theoretically they would be in that realm right right a hundred percent i mean and he cool. even he, thor even makes a side reference to them he's because they're talking about creating this god army yeah and he's talking about Ra. he's talking yep. about like he throws a lot of those names out there exactly right it would have been very cool especially given the timing to see some of the moon knight gods that would that that yeah. definitely would have been a really cool easter egg it would have been fucking cool yeah and, and you know the biggest um well, we'll talk about what we didn't like in a minute, but, um, you know, the scene where he's in, like, Russell Crowe, I, <laughs> Amazing. Just, I got to admit, I, so here's, here's one thing I think was funny, right? I expected his character to be serious. Right. Um, but I'm glad that he wasn't because, you know, if you read Greek mythology or know anything about Greek mythology, like, you know, Zeus in movies is very typically portrayed to be very regal and very godlike and blah, blah, blah. But if you actually read Greek mythology, Zeus is a fucking chooch. Like, yeah. he's such a doucher. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, and he's <laughs> always trying to sleep with, like, women, yeah. right? Which was the same case in this. Yeah, right? and they like, made him, like, fat. It's fat Russell Crowe. Yeah. Like, and oh, he's such an asshole. So good. And he has this, like, weird, like, cheesy Mario accent, like, for 
some reason. It's just well, so I think good. he tries to do a Greek accent. Right, but it comes off as like fucking pizza store Italian yeah. guy. Like, <laughs> it like really does. Like a family does. guy. Like, <laughs> it was so awesome. It yeah. was so awesome. It was really well done. And again, just a nice kind of comedic relief to some of the more seriousness of, of the movie. Yeah, because um, five seconds later, Zeus has a hole in his chest that Thor put there. Like, you know, yeah. all of a sudden, like fucking people are dying. <laughs> Which I liked as well. I like that everyone has their own, you know, kind of special weapon, right? So, like, you see, like, Mjolnir and Stormbreaker and everything like that. But then, and obviously the Necro Sword, right? The Necro Blade. Um, and then you see this Thunderbolt, right? Which is really, really cool. Um, and it's you realize that it's not just like lightning and his power; it's an actual weapon that he uses. Yeah, and I like that they're like, okay, they get away from like, all right, we're not going to find an army here. Let's just grab his weapon and go. Yeah, you know? that, that, that was so great. They're just like, fuck this, like let's go. Yeah, and and and, and even just the you know, it's such a cheesy little thing, and it's been done so many times. But something about the way. Taika did it just like worked and, and like the way that Tessa Thompson sold it when that you know when when Zeus knocks the clothes off Thor and he's naked and they were like uh, uh, Jane Foster and Tessa were just getting ready to attack and they're like oh, let's just wait a minute and they like sit back with the grapes and just stare at Thor naked like oh, I'll sit here and enjoy this for a second like again it's a trope it's been done so many times but something about their delivery just made it so fucking hilarious <laughs> you know and I think it's, it is a testament that says uh, you know what uh, over sexualization just for the point of sexualization can be funny. It can be funny in movies. Yeah, yeah spoiler alert. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with it. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it was, I thought it was hilarious. And, you know, we have, you know, Chris Hemsworth, who's obviously jacked and he's, he's like in great shape for this movie. And, like, it's just kind of like a hilarious scene that's there. And it's just literally meant for a little bit of, of comic relief and, you know, just a little bit of uh, extra excitement. Bro, the workout regimens for this movie um, were intense because Chris Hemsworth's sh- shoulders, not even his arms, just his shoulders, were like the size of my head. And yeah, Natalie Portman, huge. man, Natalie Portman got jacked up for this movie, like in a good way, like, you know. And Tessa Thompson, I mean, she always looks good, but she even somehow looks even better in this movie. Like, I, I can't even imagine what the fucking workout regimens were yeah. in, the, in this move for this movie because everybody was in, like, the most mondo shape of their lives. Yeah, I mean, literally, Chris Hemsworth looked like a, like, like a Greek god. Like, yeah, he really did. You know, it was or I guess you could say a Norse god. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was great. Um, I love the beginning part. I love the scene where he's meditating and like the whole thing with the Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought it was amazing. And then the little bit of an Easter egg throwback and nod to Thunderstrike where so Thor, like Thor is in that outfit. He's got the blue pants with the boots. He looks exactly like. Uh, Thunderstrike did Eric Masterson did in the Thor comics and man it was just so cool like I loved every minute of that scene um, just great action and everything that you want to see in a uh, in a Thor movie yeah that opening scene was just so insane and like the fact that he he takes Stormbreaker and he flies on it like a witch. Like, you know, <laughs> and it, 
just it, it was just so ridiculous and it's you know it, it show it shows you how powerful Thor has become which I really enjoy um and he yeah he just he just fucks everything up and it's comedic and it's hilarious and it's like everything you want from like an opening scene of a comic book movie and you get that little bit of uh uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, which was nice, but the best part of that opening scene is the joke that it gives us for the rest of the movie, where the planet that Thor and the Guardians have just saved when they're leaving, the gift they get are these two <laughs> gigantic screaming goats, and like they they scream like humans, and like yeah. you you think it's going to be just like a one time <laughs> gag. And then they end up bringing the goats on the ship, oh, and they're yeah. screaming on the ship. They the goats stay with Thor when the Guardians leave, and the goats end up pulling the ship that they use to travel to all of the different places they travel to, and they're just constantly screaming on the bi- on the Bifrost. It's so absurd. It's just ridiculous, and they just hammer it home over and over and over and over again. They stuck so hard to the joke, and I was so impressed. Yeah, I loved it. I, I like it wasn't like. It it was it was like oh kind of like a haha in the beginning and then but the fact that you just keep seeing it and you keep having to deal with these giant screaming goats is just i mean it was just hilarious like every time i saw them after that it was like i definitely popped i was like yeah this is great yeah um but the story of of gore the god butcher and like his daughter dying I think it really worked as a very cool way to introduce a potentially new character into the MCU, um, as well as getting a chance to, uh, you know, have this incredible story where we're seeing this multi-level plane of existence, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're realizing that the, what, you know, things like Asgard and everything like that are nothing more than just other planets. You're, you're realizing that a lot of the other gods, they are, they do come from other planets as well. Um, and they're actually, you know, just super powerful beings and not just, they're not like, you know, like there, there are people that are above them. So, well, so that's, so that's an interesting thing that I, I want to talk about quickly because uh, when they, when they started to go down that road a little bit in the movie, especially with the, um, the second post-credit scene showing Natalie Portman uh, in Valhalla after she died and uh, uh, re- not reuniting, well, I guess kind of reuniting, but meeting um, uh, Heimdall again, right, who was also in Valhalla after dying in uh, End- or Infinity War. It was, it, it made me think, it reminded me a lot of the Earth X trilogy because one of the major plot okay. points in the Earth X trilogy was about how... Um, Odin and the Asgardians were not actually gods in the sense that we think of gods. They're right. actually just like you said, powerful beings that exist on a different plane of reality. And Valhalla is just another one of those planes. You're not really dead. You're just moved to a different level of existence. Right. right? Um, so it made me it made me like just kind of think, especially because it was very clear that like, you know, this was not the end of Thor's story. Like, Thor is going to be back. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, maybe not in a fifth solo movie, but he will be back in, in the Avengers movies for sure in some way. Um, and it made me think that, you know, are, are they going to explore this? Because we know that they're, you know, we know that the multiverse exists now. We know that Kang is out there. They're, they're dabbling in the celestial and the, you know, the, the space 
you know, elements, cosmic elements of Marvel. So I'm wondering if they're going to go with that angle at all to explain, because again, the Celestials, right, are also a huge part of the Earth X trilogy. Yeah, we very much We kind of talked so. about that. They, they sort of tried to do that in Eternals, right, with the birth of the Celestials. It was, it basically was that story, except Eternals sucked and they didn't do it right. Right. You know, but it basically was that story. So I'd be, you know, all this time I've been talking about how they're they're going more with a uh, you know a time traveling Kang type story, but now I wonder like is it are, are they going to go more Earth X? Like I'm not now like Th- Th- Thor Love and Thunder has me questioning a little bit more about how they're going to approach Phase Four and Five or well they're already in Phase Four Phase Five really. Well, it's definitely going to be an outer space story. Um, obviously, the Celestials are going to have a big part because again we saw a celestial head and yeah. he made like a very big point to show out the celestial head in this movie. Right. Um, and and obviously all the different, you know, things like eternity and realizing that, like, you know, there are things. Like, we saw the Living Tribunal really briefly in... in um, uh, in Doctor Strange, yep. right? Multiverse of Madness. Uh, we're, we're getting now a chance that they're really starting to just sprinkle in the idea of all of these larger celestials. And I think 100% it's going to lead to Galactus. I think it's going to lead to Galactus. And then it's yeah. going to be really interesting to see what other big galactic villain that they fight. I would love personally to see a, uh, a Nihilus. Um, that would be I, cool. I, I think it would be really cool to see Annihilus as like you know he's someone who's like coming in he's trying to kill you know just kind of like this movie he's trying to kill some of the yeah. more like large celestial gods and, and take his foothold in the universe um, I think that would be really cool for the next you know kind of crossover movie yeah because I'm still trying to figure out who the next big bad is going to be right because like yeah. I, mean, I still think it has to be Kang I think Kang has to be the next Thanos where everything is somehow connected to him and everything that happens up until until that point is him moving chess pieces on the board. Like it doesn't Kang is too big of a villain to just like psh, throw away, you know, in in a in just one movie. He I think he still needs to be the big bad, but he could be through his time traveling abilities the one that moves all those chess pieces around. I would really like to see that. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about that I absolutely loved, it was a little bit of like continuity for you in the in the movie um, that we, I don't think anybody had ever really discussed and it was a really cool moment when Thor gives his power um, to, or like gives uh, parts of his powers to the little Asgardian children to help fight in the final battle um, because it's just him right at that point. I thought that was a really cool little uh, piece of continuity because they never really talked about how, um, you know, in theory at least, that a lot of Odin's powers should have transferred to Thor after Odin died. Um, because, you know, he is the real heir to Asgard, and that was one of Odin's abilities to give his power. That's, that, that's like the whole point of Mjolnir, right? Like, to, to give bestow his power on other things or people. So I think it was really cool that Thor now had that ability, because as, you know, the, the sort of uh, biological true king of Asgard, even though we know that, you know, Valkyrie is the king of Asgard, but the, biologically speaking, and from a power perspective, it really is still Thor, and I thought that was a cool moment seeing him give his power to the children just like Odin had that same ability. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I thought that was like an awesome scene. Uh, definitely reminded me of like a Dragon Ball Z moment too. Yeah. Where he's like transferring his power, you know, yep. over. Um, I thought it was I, I thought it was like a nice little like extra thing and obviously, you know, give 
give kids who are watching this a chance to like, you know, kind of yeah, get into cool. the story and, and everything like, oh, if I was a little kid with Thor's power, like what would I do? But then but then also the kids, I mean, like, granted, they were like shadow monsters. Like there were people, but they were like, yeah. fucking chopping them in half and like yeah, ripping was, them apart. It, it like, with, awesome. And they're all still wearing pajamas. Like it was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like it was kind of like a boy's moment almost. Yeah, like, very much just so. Just so absurd, you know? Yeah, very much like a boy's moment. Um, really liked Jane Foster. I was just going to say that we got to talk about her because yeah. she was like having Natalie Portman come back in this capacity was the smartest way to do it because I got to be honest I never really loved her as Thor in the comics it just sort of always she was always just felt very ancillary like she never felt like the main character you know yeah. um and, and it was cool but like it just never really caught on for me um but in the movie it was awesome. It was yeah. so awesome the way they did it in the movie. She was it, it was really cool how her the um the ability to have his powers gave her like this additional confidence and made her like cocky, very much like right. Thor is. It was a very cool right. element of the story, I thought. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I couldn't agree more. Um, and and I, I mean, she was in great shape for this movie. She looked like a million bucks. Uh, the whole dynamic between like the the like the fact that she had Mjolnir, like kind of like the whole ex girlfriend, right? And like oh, like it was really really cool. I yeah. just I really liked it, uh, like from start to finish. Although um, maybe a little out of place in terms of like the the telling of like the backstory of of how Jane Foster. That got was one there. of my issues with the movie. It the, it, it should have been reverse they did it out of order yeah where you see jane foster as thor and then right then they tell how she got there right because like they they, they sort there, of like brief thor. yeah they like they briefly have that moment right where it's like you she looks in the book and she thinks about mjolnir right and then she goes to asgard and sees the broken pieces of the hammer and they start to like move or whatever and the next time you see her she's already thor and like that reveal was still cool but like it would have been so much cooler if they had told all of that backstory they told after the first reveal first right just like cause they already had that Korg storytelling time like just do that again yeah. you know and explain how there was that moment right where Thor sort of like imprinted Jane on Yoner was like protect you know protect Jane if anything ever happens to me that's how Jane and Yoner had that connection like all of that, it, it just, it just, it still worked. Like it wasn't bad. It just would have been so much cooler if they had given you a little bit more lead up to it because it kind of felt like she came out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I, I did like the cancer story. I mean, if I, if my that's memory serves comics, me correct, yeah. yeah, it's straight from the comics, um, which was really cool. There was a lot of shots that were taken directly from the comic book story, which I thought was really, really cool. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, when they go to that ice planet and they see that large, you know, the super giant God, and he's like, this yep. is one of the nicest gods you'd ever meet in your entire life. Like, that's direct from the comic books, like that whole scene. And it's, it was just really cool to see it on the big screen. Um, and the the way that Jane Foster used the 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 fact because the fact that Mjolnir wasn't fully together, it still had the cracks in it, and when she would break the hammer apart and the individual pieces would fly all around like projectiles and just murk people and then come back together. Yeah. That was so fucking cool. And then it of course ended up being a plot point of how she destroyed the sword right. at the end because the sword was broken but it was reforming itself. So she took the pieces inside of Mjolnir, crushed them through there and like it was so awesome. Yeah, it was, it was very, so awesome. Very cool. I, I very thought, unique. Yeah. I thought it was just a, a really nice touch point um that they had. Um, all right, so let's go into what we didn't like about this movie. Yeah, go. Okay, so for me, I, I, it, 
as I mentioned before, the acting seemed a little aside from Christian Bale and like his his character was so overly serious and not comedic at all that it just seemed a bit out of place for me. Right. Um, it, it, it like I loved it and he was so good and his scenes were so incredible and so well done. But it just seemed a bit out of place for a comedy movie like this. And I think that the um, the pacing at times was a little slow and then at others was way too fast. Right. Like, really? where, yeah, where they tried to tell too much story too quickly and they're jumping around and then. You know, like a lot of movies, like the final fight with Gore is just drawn out, right? Like they have that great battle that's on the boat. And I thought that that was going to be like, oh, cool. This is going to be like the final battle. And then obviously it wasn't. Yeah. You know, and like, okay, they're getting to eternity. Um, I would have loved it if that like they had. So two different things. One. Uh, Jane Foster needed to die fighting Gore. She died after fighting gore and literally they talk about it earlier on in the movie that if she dies not in a battle she does not go to valhalla she has to die in a battle well that's exactly what happens she fights gore and then she dies after the fight with gore and yet she still goes to valhalla so i didn't like that part see but i think that that you can explain that because she it was so quickly after the battle she'd been stabbed like fucking you know I think that that one is, is you can explain that away because clearly Sif had been there for a very long time when Thor found her. Um, but I see what you're saying though. Like they, they made a point of explaining that they were kind of like, oh, well, wait a minute. You know, that was like, uh, hang on a second. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like if if they had not made the point to explain that you don't go to, like I wouldn't have had any, any right. problem with it. Yeah, that's but like a minor that the, thing. Yeah, that they went out of their way to, to explain it. Yeah. It's like, and like it was a very funny explanation when it happened. Because, like, it was, like, a very kind of quippy moment between Thor and yeah. Jane. But, like, uh, yeah, when uh, when they did it later on, it just yeah, just didn't didn't land for me. Um, the So the, the main thing I didn't like, like I said, was just that timing of the Jane Foster-Thor explanation. Like, they just could have done that um, a little bit better. Uh, the only other thing I didn't like was the, um, the way they... The way they saved the, I would have liked to have seen. I mean, and, and I and I guess maybe, and this is just me being like nitpicky. The, the Hercules reveal in the first after credit scene, like I think it would have been so much cooler if Hercules had showed up um, in the middle of the movie. Uh, but I guess yeah. it, is, it is more comic accurate, I suppose, to have him be you know the bad, bad guy, guy first, first yeah. right? And that's you know that's fine. But I was really hoping for them to be like when Zeus was like, you know, go fuck yourself. I'm not going to help you, right? right? That Hercules like shows up and was like, nah, bro, I got you. You yeah. know, like fuck our dads. Our dads are assholes. Like I'll come and help you, or whatever. But again, that's like a minor, you know, nitpicky moment. Um, there really isn't much about like the movie itself that I that I didn't really like. Um, I thought it was incredibly well done it was very funny the only issue yeah. that i think i would really have overall was that it was a little um that there was there were some times where the the quips and the comedy were just a little too much yeah um because yep. a, a lot the majority of the jokes were like 
perfectly comedic time, per- perfect comedic timing, um, landed really well. But then there were some jokes that were just like forced in there for the sake of having jokes. In yeah, there. having a joke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like like you didn't need a joke at every single fucking mo- moment. But overall, I thought this movie was incredible. It was very well done, and I loved pretty much every second of it. Yeah, definitely a great ride. Very worth it going to see it in the theater, and definitely seeing it in the theater is how you want to see it. Definitely, so you want to see it on the biggest screen possible. You want to get the surround sound you want to have you know you want to be immersed in this movie and it, it was just so good that um yeah well well worth it yeah well and worth then it. seeing the i'm very curious to see where they go next with thor because the you know the final scene is him on this ship he's obviously traveling around um space to different planets being like a hero and he's got gore's daughter with him who's now like his you know adoptive daughter i guess you could say or whatever yeah. um and she is carrying stormbreaker she's using stormbreaker which is very interesting because it seemed like stormbreaker was a more powerful weapon than mjolnir because mjolnir was like Thor's weapon, but like when he made Stormbreaker, like Mjolnir couldn't control the Bifrost, right? Right, like which I thought they were going to give it to uh, Heimdall's son. It's more which they power- did for a minute. I would say it's know? more powerful in a different way. Like especially when you think back to Ragnarok, when it's like when Odin goes, "Are you Thor, God of Hammers?" You know, yeah. or like yeah. <laughs> you know. So it's like I, th- I think it's not a, not so much about what's more powerful. It just has a different power set, right? Yeah, okay. different bits of abilities. I think it's all about kind of who's wielding it. But I think I think the major difference though is that uh stormbreaker is not enchanted in the way that mjolnir is so mjolnir right. you have to be worthy to right. lift it uh stormbreaker anybody who's strong enough it would seem can can wield it right right um you know so that that's a major differentiating factor i would say yeah um but yeah i i you know i need to go back because I, I don't really read a lot of thor individual comics so I know I know that Gore was a you know I know Gore from the comics I've seen enough of him um but I'm not really too clear on the whole daughter from the comics and right. if she ends up being another character. So I got to go back and kind of read some Thor comics to understand that a little bit more. I'll just, I'll just fucking talk to Mike Zapsick about it I'm on, sure. on the new yeah. Review Podcast Network uh, podcast that is coming called Matt and Mike Read Comics coming soon to the podcast network. Um but I'm very curious to see who that girl Ends up being like, yeah. you know, because yeah. I, I would I would hope that they do like a, you know, it'd be nice to do like a bit of a time skip. So she's a little bit older the next time. So it's not yeah. like a fucking 10 year old wielding a, a weapon that's taller than her. But it was kind of cool to see. Yeah, it was very cool to see. Um, I, I definitely enjoyed it. I thought it was a really cool moment. Um, great way to introduce a new character into yeah. the the MCU as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, who that character is, that's obviously, that remains to be seen. The fact that she was getting trained by Sif is really cool at the very end of the cool, movie. Yep. Um, you know, very, like, what Wonder Woman should have been, right? Yep. You know, kind of thing. Um, uh, but, yeah, loved it. Loved every, like, definitely recommend it. Um, think it's a great addition to the MCU and, and can't wait to see where the universe is going to go from here. Absolutely. And just a reminder for all of you haters out there, uh, bringing Sif back into the MCU proper means that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is canon. Go fuck yourself. I will fight anybody <laughs> on that argument any day of the week. So uh, you guys know the drill. Go to all of the platforms. Subscribe, listen, like, and share. Leave a comment. Tell us what you want to hear, what you don't like about the movies, um, or don't like about us, but, you know, fuck yourself. Uh, so, <laughs> um, we'll be back uh, next time. We got to talk about uh, The Boys Just Wrapped. Yes. 
Stranger Things wrapped. Miss yep. Marvel is about to wrap. Yep. We got a lot more episodes and content coming your way in the next couple of weeks. More movies coming out that we're going to see. Um, you know, so all all, thi- all great things coming. It's a very exciting summer. Um, so we'll be with you guys talking again very soon. And my name is Matt. I'm Anthony. And as always, stay tuned, true reviewers.